He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. You know, it just spurs us on to greater things. It, it shows us that we're doing something great. We're making a difference in people's lives. We're delivering fantastic vacation experiences. Um, and I'm hoping that that can be a model for others in our industry, you know, to inspire others to do the same. And um, we can all lift each other up. You know, we can all make a difference. Um, there's so many opportunities to provide um, a better vacation experience. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. People who are wired to create remarkable experiences that are anticipated and shared. This is the definition of a true destinationaire. If you've been following the show for a while, you would have recognized that earlier this year of 2020, we did the first ever destinationaire award. This award was a huge success with over 50 nominations from around the world. From these nominations, only five received the title destinationaire. In this three-part series, you're going to hear from three of them, Bob, Jessica, and Robin. We're going to learn from what they've done to grow their business and to become a destinationaire, and how they plan to continue to grow and serve our industry and our guests. This is more than just being a hospitality provider or a property manager. This is about offering true experience, creating real moments, and connecting on a deeper level. Now follow along, because this is an experience you will not want to miss. All right, everybody, welcome back to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Will Slickers. Today, I am joined by Robin Cragen, who is the CEO and founder of Moving Mountains, based out in Colorado. Thank you for joining me. You are also one of the amazing Destination Air winners, and so I'm really honored to have you on the show and kind of get to pick your brain. Thanks, Will. I'm super excited to be here. And uh, I have to start off by correcting you immediately because I'm oh, no. a co-founder of Moving Mountains. Um, this is definitely um, a partnership with myself and my wife. And uh, um, uh, I, I could not do what we do without her and, uh, and obviously the rest of our incredible team that work with us now. But uh, yeah, um, it's exciting to be here, and uh, I've been following your podcast over the last few months and uh, very uh, interested in the way that you've kind of branched into the world of vacation rentals. Um, and uh, it's actually very interesting just to follow the conversations you've had with your connections in the hotel world and just realize that, you know, it's how much common ground there is in hospitality mm -hmm. and how, um, you know, we can all steal ideas from each other and we can all look at each other's um, strengths and uh, so I've I've been enjoying those conversations. It's great to be part of this. Well, I'll start off by saying, uh, if your wife is listening, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, my wife Heather. <laughs> we can even okay. name her here. Yes, Heather, if you're listening right now, uh, you get full credit too as well. So my apologies on that one. I might still uh, get dinner tonight if I'm lucky, you know. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, no, it's been really fun with the show. Um, I, I agree with you that I think that's why I've been dabbling more into like hotels and vacation rentals at the same time, just because I think you're, you're right. We have a lot to learn from both sides and there's a lot more common ground than we'd expect. Um, and it's just, it's, I love both of them. I have a background with hotels and Marriott and, and then of course I vacation rental company myself. So 
it's it's like being in both worlds and i like sharing both of it so it's it's fun but i feel like uh, you yeah. cross to the dark side <laughs> no <laughs> we can't maybe not dark side but uh, uh yeah <laughs> maybe but it's it's still really fun and i think uh if one day i'll own a hotel and well i'll be in both and i won't be on the dark side as much there you go <laughs> <laughs> one day well uh robin i really want to jump into um kind of your story a little bit i think you have a pretty unique story you have some amazing experience with uh hospitality and an aspect i don't think we've ever covered on the show with uh sailboating and just the type of adventures you've had and then of course um kind of leading into what moving mountains is is today yeah. and what you guys what you guys do well um it's been it definitely has been uh an interesting and a long journey um you know, to get to where we are today, I, I almost find it hard to believe when I say to people that Moving Mountains has been growing, this will be our 23rd winter um, wow. that we're going into. Um, but I, you know, I've, I've had a long and very interesting career in travel. And I feel like hospitality is something that, um, you know, has always been a part of that. And, um, you know, this goes right back to my very early days pre-business pre, uh, school. Um, where I was working for my uncle in travel in uh, up in the north of Scotland. And, uh, you know, he was a tour operator and he gave me my first kind of window on what travel experiences are all about. And it was very custom and personal and, uh, you know, small tours, that kind of thing. Um, and that, that interest and that passion continued through college where I was involved in the ski club. Um, I was running the ski club and running ski trips out to Europe. And um, as I completed my business degree, I wasn't quite done with travel. So I decided that uh, I wanted to have this experience, uh, which is very, very popular in, uh, in the UK, of going to do a ski season and working in a ski resort. And so I followed that passion and uh, decided that if I didn't do it at that time, then maybe I was never going to get to do it. I didn't want to see myself just jump into a, to a job that would confine me to vacations just like everybody else. And uh, mm -hmm. So I jumped to that chance and, uh, and I think that was the first time I was actively really involved in uh, welcoming guests to a destination and being part of making that experience fun. I ran a bar in a ski resort um, in France and um, it was an amazing time, um, which led to experience of doing something similar in the Greek islands, um, which led to um, the opportunity actually that came down the road was to uh, get more involved you know, realizing I couldn't be a season there, as they called that position at that time. I couldn't just live from one season to the other. I didn't really want to do it that way. So got more involved in the business and uh, went into partnership with the people from the ski business, set up uh, a summer activity program um, that ended up being sold on to another big travel group. And I began sort of a career at that time in, uh, in travel in London. And uh, my, my big pivot, uh, as I probably would call it, would be uh, when the Gulf War happened in 91, someone walked into our offices and said, well, we're looking to reduce staff by 30%. And, and to be honest, my transition from being entrepreneurial, um, you know, running a small business and having sold it to a larger company, um, I became less passionate about the business at that point. And I said, you know, maybe this is my moment. I'm going to jump off this bus and do something mm -hmm. different. Spent a little time in the Greek islands that summer and came back with the idea that there was a much bigger world for me to go and see. 
and um, I decided um, I was going to pursue a passion I had for sailing and um, ended up doing a transatlantic uh, crossing on a sailboat, ending up in the Caribbean. Um, and I had taken the time before this trip to uh, get a captain's license because I knew how to sail from being a kid, but um, decided that, or I'd been really kind of clued into, if you have a captain's license, there's employment opportunities here. So I arrived in the British Virgin Islands um, in 91 and uh, began picking up work as a charter yacht captain, taking people around the most spectacular British Virgin Islands, one of the most incredible places to take a, a sail vacation. And uh, I realized, you know, that um, once again, I was back in the driving seat as far as being able to create these um, great experiences for people because, you know, you're there to keep them safe, but you're also a very big part of their experience. So that, um, in, that's, a, that's a very short um, elevator pitch of, uh, of how I got to the islands where I met my wife, Heather. And uh, uh, one way or another, we ended up working together, running a very beautiful luxury sailing yacht together. We became a couple and, um, you know, we, we always jokingly say we managed to kick the owner off of his own boat and took over the show and began a four-year journey of running that boat together. And, uh, and I think that that was the, so that is the foundation. That's the kind of the cradle of the moving mountains idea, because when yeah. we were working together, we worked for a guy who, you know, I always said that the great thing about Barry is he makes it possible with this boat and his philosophy for us to give people the best vacations of their lives. And um, that was something that I realized that we um, really enjoyed and really kind of lived to hear on a week by week basis. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we started thinking, after we had done that job for four years, you know, we were starting to think about, well, what are we doing next? We actually had gotten married in that time and we were looking to our future and we were inspired to come to Colorado because of some guests that had been on the boat with us. And uh, we really had the idea that moving mountains, you know, our, our original business idea was um, to buy one chalet and um, to run that as a fully catered full service experience very much like we did on the yacht mm -hmm. and uh, so the business was called moving mountain chalet you know it was it was not moving mountains it was not chalets but those were all stages that came later as we started doing this and realizing that um, we found something that not only were we, were we doing something we wanted to do but we were in a place where people wanted to come here and they loved this experience and the business just naturally started to grow. So that was 23 years ago. And here we are, we run over hundred properties and we've expanded into Vale and Beaver Creek. Um, our home base is Steamboat, but uh, we're following the lead of our guests who are saying that they want to have these great experiences in other places. So um, letting the guests pull us down a path of growth. Wow. That's an incredible background. <laughs> you literally take like the hospitality journey from like literal destinations, which is super right. cool. And yeah. um, do I, I remember hearing you on Matt Landau's podcast on locked and you talked about when you were in the Greek islands, what were you doing in order to make a living uh, when you <laughs> kind of, <laughs> yeah, this is my humble origins, but um, you know, you go from running a travel company in um, a big bustling city like London to, 
living on a beach and finding a way to make a living just making friendship bands. But um, you know, I've always always had this like entrepreneurial streak of like, well, if I can make this work, then maybe this, you know, is something I should do. I, I never made a full-time career out of friendship bands, but um, I made a pretty good living um, generating enough money for, uh, to, for beer and food for a, a couple of months. So um, it, I That's think like, it's a good place to go back to and say, you know, you don't always have to, it's not, you don't measure your life and your riches in terms of uh, how much money is rolling into your bank account. You, you can measure that in, in terms of the experiences you're having. And, uh, you know, windsurfing in the Greek islands is uh, a pretty good way to spend the day. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I think beer and food is all I would really need too if I could live <laughs> on the beach. So uh, that sounds pretty, pretty damn good, to be honest. Yeah. Maybe I just stop podcasting for a couple months and go do that myself. I highly recommend it. Actually, uh, you know, there are definitely times when I think about um, the simpler life, you know. Yeah. We certainly have a very busy life right now. Exactly. Well, and I think it's super cool how that kind of like segues into meeting Heather and then kicking the owner off his boat to run it. <laughs> and then and now what Moving Mountains is today. And so you have over 100 properties. You're in based in Colorado. Yeah. Um, and so what actually I, a question when that came to mind when you were you were telling your story was I wanted to ask, did you find that your success with like moving mountains and stuff has a lot to do with your experience in the UK versus in hospitality or and other countries in Europe where um, I don't know, it just seems like all these experiences that you offer with moving mountains, you know, uh, private dinners and chalets and all this other stuff is not really common in here in the United States. You know, I, th I think um, I got some of my ideas, you know, the travel business is not a simple business, maybe not as simple as it might look from the outside. But um, for me, I benefit from cumulative experiences that I've had, obviously, you know, business school teaches you about the fundamentals about how a business works. Mm -hmm. But seeing and experiencing different people, um, what you know, enjoying their travel experiences, um, really kind of helps you understand, you know, I feel the, the foundation of this is that the travel industry is a very important thing, or the travel, a vacation is a very important thing for so many people. And there's so many uncertainties to travel and vacation experiences. We all have these hopes and dreams about what it's going to be like, but, um, you know, is it going to be as great as you ex expect or hope? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's much easier to find a story about a travel nightmare or to think about something, to remember something that went wrong. Um, it's concerning to think that not every vacation exceeds your expectations. So as I became more involved in that, I feel like um, my opportunity is to meet that challenge of helping someone have a great experience. So that's the kind of thing I did with people in the Greek islands that, yeah, I mean, they were renting a villa from us and staying in, in a place with beautiful beaches, but, you know, arranging a barbecue at sunset um, and creating something unexpected and really fun and having fun together, um, you know, that really kind of, that was something that took it to the next level. And I think that that um, when we had that experience of working on endless summer, the yacht in the British Virgin Islands, then, um, you know, we really saw that go to another level. We knew the secret spots that people um, mm -hmm. wanted to snorkel that maybe weren't um, busy at certain times of the day. Um, we learned, you know, where's the, where's a fun bar that you can get to that 
you know, you can go and have a lobster lunch, fresh caught on the beach. When you get there, go snorkeling and then come back and have lobster for lunch on a, on a, like a deserted island in the, in the British Virgin Islands. I mean, the experiences like that, that people take home and you remember that they treasure those memories for, you know, forever. And that's time that they got to spend with their family. And then you, you know, you can be in the background basically making that happen without the stress and the worry, you know, you take that away from them. So, you know, moving mountains was, um, you know, born out of an idea that a ski vacation is a complicated vacation. And, and quite honestly, there are times when I wonder why people get on a plane in the middle of winter, they travel <laughs> to the mountains, which are spectacular and beautiful, but, you know, even the journey from the airport can be challenging on a snowy day. Yeah. And our goal is to eliminate every stress and worry that can come from that. So we say literally try to get yourself to the local airport. Um, both uh, resort areas that we're in are within um, 40 minutes of a, of a pretty good size airport. So you can fly direct and that's how the majority of our guests travel. And um, the idea being that once you arrive, that you're truly on vacation. And we always paint that picture of the catered chalet experience that we offer is, you know, you, you walk into the home and the smell of dinner being prepared is already in the air. There's a chef there. Uh, your lift tickets are already on the counter. Your ski schools all prearranged. So you're on vacation from the minute you get here. Mm. Instead of the experience that I fear that many people have if, of spending their first day standing in line at the store, stocking a house with food, having to go buy lift tickets, and not really having a plan for the day. I mean, it is... You know, skiing in itself is physically tough. And then, you know, the vacation itself can be exhausting. And so for those that can afford a little bit better of an experience, that's kind of what we're there for is to, to eliminate the hassle, to eliminate the stress and um, to deliver these great experiences that you know, there's, there's so many ways that you can make it just, just a little bit better than, than they expect. Yeah, that's that's exactly the destination air concept and and yeah. action and so that's why i think uh this episode for me is just really really fun to get to dive into because uh you're literally living and breathing it and so for the audience members that don't maybe understand like what kind of detail goes into creating that like you guys have to obviously do a lot of extra work um you know getting ski tickets and the lifts and and picking up from the airports and private chefs so like what does that look like well, you know, I think it's it's like everything um, from the ground up. You know, it takes a lot with the uh, the kind of um, high end properties that we're working with. Um, there's a tremendous amount of uh, detail and systems and things to check. And it, I know it sounds very basic, but checking that the Wi-Fi is working um, for every single guest, so that when the guest walks in, that's almost the first thing that they want to know is what's the Wi-Fi code. Um, Obviously, making sure that the house is immaculately clean, um, making sure, you know, my, my kind of rule of thumb is I don't want to see anything that's in a home that's not working. I don't want to see um, frayed cords on the blinds. Um, I don't want to see, uh, I don't think our guests want to walk in and, and feel that they have to shovel the snow off the deck. So it, mm -hmm. it starts with preparing the house, which, um, you know, one of the things that's exciting about our business now is we have an incredible team of people um, in the winter, as many as 50 or 60 staff, um, wow. all providing exceptional services and thinking about how they can do that as well as they can. 
Um, the second part is to what you were saying about things that you can do to make it easier for the guests. Um, we have a team that once we have the lodging reservation confirmed, you know, that they begin working with the guests to make sure that every other detail is planned out. We want the guests to have an itinerary, to have a game plan so that they can maximize this vacation time when they arrive. So it's getting engaged with them and saying, would you like us to stock groceries in the house? Would you be interested in having a personal chef? Um, how are you getting from the airport to the resort? Would you be interested in having the fully catered package or the full um, experience that way? Um, you know, that's not, that's not what we do for the majority of the guests. It's just for a handful. Um, it's sort of our top tier offering, but yeah. um, we've built our model around um, providing solutions to the challenges. So for us to make it easy for a guest to reserve how they get from the airport to the, to the, to the town and what the check-in procedure is gonna be like and smoothing that out as best as possible, reassuring them that they can have all the food and wine stocked into the house so they don't spend their first afternoon shopping. I mean, that, I think that's a huge mm -hmm. win. And if you measure the value of, uh, of your own time, times the number of people in your group, you know, for us to be able to take care of those details, it, I just don't see how you can really lose. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, and the, the fact that it's an option, you know, it doesn't have to be done. Right. If I'm, if I'm going with my three kids and wife or whatever, uh, and I like to drop them off at the house and go grocery shopping myself, then I have that option. But if I want to just literally to be hands-free, then the option of being picked up and having that stocked and walking into dinner and, and then the, the key or the ski passes are right there. Like that is just kind of the option of, of I think, well catered and concierge. I, I agree. And I feel that um, you have to listen to every single guest and, and understand what their goals are at the same time as we're trying to help them realize this is this is what we can do for you. Um, yeah. Your your expectations of a beautiful home, we're going to deliver on that. But um, you know, if you'll let us to, to do more, you'll have a better time. And um, I think I feel that the guests who return with us often, oftentimes, I, I think that the first time people stay with us, they're not realizing just how much we will do. But mm -hmm. um, it doesn't take long before they start to notice that really everyone in our team is listening and looking for what else can we do to make sure that your experience is perfect. And you know, I, I had an incredible takeaway from another um, property manager who's actually here in this town, you, you know, Sarah Bradford from uh, Steamboat Lodging Company. And she uh, shared this podcast uh, story about um, the face of your business. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is something that, um, you know, we were able to use that story um, to really help our staff understand that I'm, I may be the person who's at the in the CEO role, but I'm truly not the day-to-day -day face of our business. Mm -hmm. And it is our maintenance guys, and it is our shuttle drivers, and it is our staff that are actually out in front of our guests. And it's their job. You know, they need to know that it's their job to listen to the guests and find out what else are we missing or what else could we do to help you. And it's right down to the details of you, what you're what you're teaching them is. Can you find out something that the guest wouldn't pick up the phone and call us about? You know, is it the squeaky door in the bathroom? Is it the, um, you know, the dripping faucet or something like that? that? That if we could clue into that and we can get that fixed by the time they get back from skiing, then that's an ex, ex, um, an expectation exceeded. Yeah.
and it's uh it's it goes into like the 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 normal hospitality practice of anticipating the guest needs before they know they need it you know just kind of right. like okay what would i if i was staying here if this door is squeaking i probably wouldn't tell the front desk or tell anybody there but it would still be annoying in the back of my head you know and so being able to recognize that as a provider of service uh is is really key and i love that you said that um one of the questions i originally had planned was to ask what uh why you love doing what you do in order to um, offer this uh, higher service, but I actually want to shift into what's one of your favorite moments or memories that reminds you of why you love doing what you do? You know, um, yeah, it's, try, it's hard to think of, uh, of one in particular. I think of, um, you know, I, it's, that, it's that saying, that, that same saying, this has been one of the best vacations we've ever had. You know, and I realized that from when um, we got to know some of these guests that sailed with us on the yacht and uh, realizing the great travel experiences that they had had, you know, that they were comparing this to. And when you start to hear that kind of feedback, you realize that that doesn't come easy. And um, I certainly, I don't take it for granted. And I realized just uh, when we get surveys back from our guests now, and not only just a survey with a, you know, with a score, but many times with a personal thank you for creating something that was so much better than they experienced. And that validates for not just for me, but for our whole team about why it is, this is why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. um, and this is why the second time that people call, it's really not as if you're competing to sell them a commodity. They're calling you because they want to have another experience similar or, or even better than the last time that they stayed with us at Moving Mountains. So, you know, they, they realize after the first time that they stayed with us that, yes, we will move a mountain for you guys. Mm -hmm. That's what it takes. We want to make sure you will go home as a happy guest. That's what we live for. Um, as far as um, you, you were looking for a specific story, I'm going to have to thank yeah. you. It's okay if you don't. I just, I think that, you know, I just love the, I think of guests that I've had, you know, from my times with Marriott and, and like even my last hotel before I took on podcasting full time, like I just think about the, the relationships and the funny memories, like the basketball teams that would come in for a tournament and how year after year they would remember, you know, me giving them an extra drink at happy hour or, you know, like whatever, just like the stuff. Well, I could, I could go back many times to people that, you know, Heather and I ran this um, company literally by ourselves for the first three or four years. And, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of help. So we were the front line. We were the face of the company at that point. Mm -hmm. And I, as you, and I, and I've heard you talk about this too, is like you made personal connections with people that still live on today. Yeah, you know, 100%. I have a guest who stayed with us the very first year that we were open, um, came for their, his wife's 40th birthday party, brought his kids when they were uh, seven or eight years old. And we connected because um, he loves playing Scrabble on vacation. And I'm a big Scrabble fan too. So we started <laughs> playing Scrabble together. And as they came back, uh, you know, year after year, it became it developed developed into the world series of scrabble which you know i always joke about how everything in the us is the world series of something um even though no other countries are invited to play so <laughs> uh, so we uh we have celebrated our world series of scrabble and i think we've had probably 10 or 11 championships over the years 
and we still joke about the last time that we played till three o'clock in the morning before finally, you know, on a decider in a seven game series that uh, somehow I managed to, to win on a, um, what is it when you, there's, it's a tiebreaker when you have the same score and we both had to get out the rules and look at like, well, when you have the same score on the end on the seventh game, then there has to be a way that you decide. And it was sort of on account back that um, I squeaked out the win. So <laughs> he's never let me forget that. <laughs> but I feel like um, that, you know, this, this relationship conversation, this is about um, a relationship business. And yeah. I've, I've said to my team in the past is, are we, what kind of a business are we in? And are we in the property management business? Are we in the hospitality business? And I, I truly believe that we're actually more in the relationship business. And it is the strength of the relationships is what keeps the business alive. So um, that's why we so value the relationship that we have within our team. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, time spent in terms of building trust and making sure that we're all playing by the same uh, to the same standard and by the same rules and with the same goals. And, um, you know, the strength of relationship that you have with guests who trust us with their great, you know, vacation plans. Mm -hmm. And uh, the same would be said of uh, the relationships we've built with community players, um, our vendors, um, our guys who will come fix the hot tub on Christmas Eve, mm -hmm. you know, who will get up from dinner because they know that that's um, an important part of how we all work together. Um, that's what keeps the show on the road. That's where you add value. You got to look for those opportunities. And, uh, you know, relationship is everything. I thought about your story about how you were able to do something that maybe shouldn't have done, but, um, at, you know, for a guest, um, I think it was a guest whose daughter was sick and I yeah. was just listening to that uh, yesterday and just realizing, you know, those are the moments. Those are the moments that if you blink, you can miss them. A moment to make a connection with anyone at any time. Yeah. No, it's, uh, that's something that, yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better myself because I've been preaching like it, it's right. moments. You know, we have moments. Um, every day we make a decision. We make multiple decisions. Um, mm -hmm. We have things in front of us and it's super easy. Like I've, I'm guilty of it. Like, especially when I first started out at the front desk, uh, you know, like there's a, a moment right there in front of me and I'm concerned about, you know, completing the check-in more than I am about, you know, thinking of that certain issue or maybe just a slight comment that a guest can make um, that doesn't really sound like a problem, but you know, they're making the comment for a reason and right. you don't take, you know, you know, you don't act on it. Um, but I think there's just so many opportunities like that. And the, what you said about relationships is huge. And I wanted to talk to you about that because I feel like when you talk about, you know, repeat guests and guests coming back mm -hmm. a second time or a third or a fourth, there is a relationship from the moment, you know, they booked the first time, but now seeing it carry on through multiple multiple times kind of goes into like the direct booking topic and uh, you know what that all entails. But I think when people think about direct booking is they think about like the OTA is being bad and like all this other stuff, but then it's really not the OTAs are bad, but it's really the relationships and the moments that we create with our guests, whether they book direct or with an OTA will continue to represent that. I, I think it's the push and the pull of the fact that travel business is a business at the same time. Yeah. And so at some point you're um, obviously 
you want to make sure that you're profitable and that you're successful in a financial sense as well as um, you know a, a delivery of service that kind of thing and you know with the larger businesses I don't envy anybody working in a hotel with a thousand rooms trying to provide exceptional service on a personal level yeah. to that kind of degree and it's what what almost scares me about the idea of growing our business um, I think in Steamboat Springs we're pretty much at the sweet spot the idea of moving mountains being 500 properties or a thousand properties in one ski destination I, I'm really not sure that we could deliver service on that level. I think that that's the great challenge um, for anyone who's in a, a larger scale business. Yeah. Um, you rely, um, I, I'm not sure that it's achievable at the same level. So I th I'll go back to, I think that that's our opportunity is understanding that this is what we're here to provide and we can't provide that same level of service to everybody. So we focus on you know, the 100 properties that we're uh, managing in Steamboat, the 30 properties that we're managing in the Vale Valley, um, making sure that we can deliver the same level of service and relationship strength, build that relationship up with, e with each of those guests. Um, you have to, or we're, we're fortunate um, in that we're able to do this, but to celebrate success at every moment, it, it means that um, you can kind of, that nothing becomes like a conveyor belt because I think if the business becomes um, like you're just like you were saying about checking in 500 people in one day, mm -hmm. I can't imagine what that experience is like um, because we put so much energy into 20 or 30 groups checking in in one day, you know, that each of them are getting a personal um, property tour, let's say post COVID, we'll go back to yeah. those days because yeah. we're having to do that virtually right now. But um you know, really making, we spend time, we spend about an hour with every guest on arrival, trying to make sure that they're settled into their home and that we've really got everything ready for them because we want them to have a great experience without us hovering over them the whole time. Um, you can't, you can't provide that at scale. And um, there's, a, so it's where moving mountains is, is in a different place to someone who has a thousand condos to fill and, uh, you know, I call that the commodity end of the market. Um, when you've just got condos that are much, one much like the other, um, you know, maybe 50 or 100 or 200 in the same building, that's very different to the experience that we're able to offer in a private luxury home with a spectacular view over the mountain with a private hot tub. Um, you know, we're selling experience all day long against the commodity end of the market um, mm -hmm. where those transactions are happening because they would, someone was able to click and buy something for a few bucks less than the next guy. Yeah. It's not really where, where we see ourselves. Exactly. And I've been thinking of that, like the, you know, the term heads and beds. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the type of model where it's like the lower experience. It's really not the personal greeting at every, you know, reservation or check-in. It's not the private chef. Those are like the heads and beds, but I like to talk like, I just actually was thinking about this this morning before our recording was uh, there's heads and beds for that model. But I feel like for your guys' model, it's moments and moments. It's hand in hand. And like, and obviously COVID, we can't say hand in hand right now. But uh, but I think like that's the difference of head and, heads and beds, which is a great model. Obviously, I get it. Like we, we're in the business world as well. But the moments and moments, and that's where it comes to like the guest experience and really creating like that relationship. It's not 
just yeah uh, so to your point about the uh the otas and the direct booking conversation you know our model is very well suited and you it, it sounds perfectly natural to think that why would somebody um book with moving mountains on airbnb mm -hmm. uh, why would they book on verbo why would they use booking.com some of these other um platforms and you know the reality is that I think they, they do this because they're still learning about companies like ours. Yeah. Um, you know, we are still somewhat of a, of a niche. Um, so we, we have formed many relationships that I think have ex exceeded people's expectations because they, they set the bar pretty low by booking through a platform in the first place. They just thought they were booking um, an Airbnb. And what they realize um, when they stay with us is that actually we're doing a whole lot more for them. And uh, many of those lead to uh, long-term direct booking relationships in the future. Um, so that's one subset of our clients that yes, um, a, a small percentage of them do come to us, do find us through OTAs. So the value of the OTAs, it allows you to reach more people. From a business perspective, we're trying to get in, in front of as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, we're very fortunate with the internet that the internet allows a small company like ours to um, target a clientele that's seeking a luxury experience, seeking out luxury lodging um, and something more than just um, a unit. You know, we don't even allow that word that there's a certain small vocabulary that's not allowed at Moving Mountains and the U word is one of them. That's music to my ears. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, we're fortunate that um, through our marketing efforts that we can reach many of the people that are looking for the services that we offer. Um, the internet, I feel, um, arrived at the perfect time for us. Um, we were clued into that from our days of working on the boat and, uh, and working for an owner who was trying to find clientele for his yacht um, using 800 numbers that were very expensive out of, the, out of the US. And when the internet came along, it was a game changer for his marketing. So when we arrived in Colorado, then uh, I think the internet, you know, back in 97 was still pretty much in its infancy. Online booking was not a thing. It was very um, rare. Um, even VRBO as it was back then, um, was it still a very small, very um, not quite so fancy listing site, but it was very functional. And it, it, that was the first opportunity that you had to get in front of more people. Because up to that point, renting a home in the mountains, you know, if you can believe it was, you'd advertise in the classified section of the local paper and someone who wanted to come to Colorado would, would somehow seek out um, a copy of that, maybe take it home from their last vacation and say, you know what, I'm gonna rent one of those houses the next time I come back here. And it, it was really, in some cases, I think it was literally keys left under the doormat, um, you know, very, the very early days of vacation rentals. We've come yeah. come such a long way since then. No, that's very true. <laughs> that's that's, a, that's crazy just to think about like 97, well, I was born in 95, so <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a quite, a, quite a time Thanks. ago. Thanks, you just made me feel really old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, uh, we won't talk about that anymore. You and I can go for a bike ride when you're next in Colorado. We see if we can level the playing field now. Okay, I was gonna say you'll kick my ass on that one, just because <laughs> I have. Uh, I think uh, I have quarantine quarantine shape right now. It's uh, it's not been it's not been the best. Not been good for you. <laughs> exactly. Well, I was gonna and that, speaking of quarantine, I think this is a, a good kind of like 
wrap up of the episode and to you, I think everyone, no matter what market took a hit in April and, and no March. Um, but do you feel like maybe the luxury market took less or is that maybe even recovered faster just because of the type of clientele or have you guys, I kind of walk me through your guys' journey with this whole new uh, era we're in. Well, uh, you know, I'll take, uh, it's easy to go back cause it's still such a fresh memory, but to go back to, um, the memory of this ski season, we were on track to have our best winter that we'd ever had. We had fantastic snow on the ground. Um, we had great snow all season. So that's kind of the icing on the cake. Um, so firing on all cylinders, but seeing this thing coming over the horizon and just hoping and praying that we were going to somehow navigate our way through March and finding out at literally 30 minutes notice on the 15th of March that the ski area was not going to open on Sunday morning, having checked in 60 groups into homes, you know, we, I still think that we're still a little bit in shock as to what that experience looked like, because it was crushing for our team to have to then reverse engines on everything that they'd arranged for groups coming in for the next two weeks, the last two, almost the biggest weeks of the season, you know, March is everything is in full swing. Um, you know, if I was to say what was the positive, well, the positive was it didn't happen in January. Um, it happened and we lost the last two weeks of the season. So we, every business, not just the luxury end of the market, everyone took a huge um, economic blow. Yeah. You can never put that um, money back on the table. Um, so that's a crushing end to a fantastic season. And then a very difficult period, um, just emotionally and mentally, um, of the uncertainty of the next six weeks. I feel like, um, you know, we hunkered down in our homes. Uh, we had to scramble to get everybody working remotely. Um, thank goodness that we have um, a VOIP phone system. Mm. And we, we seem like we had all the technology pieces in place that we could do that. Um, I bought just about every laptop I could get my hands on. And um, so in about a month, we were back on our feet in terms of being able to continue functioning. And I, and I feel like everybody went through a very traumatic and stressful time there. Um, I really give it to our team. I mean, we all try to lift each other up and, and get each other through it. And um, we had, you know, Zoom social hours. Um, it was such a strange feeling too, to be physically separated from everybody. You know, mm -hmm. we're a very close team. Um, so the relationship part of just not seeing each other on a daily basis um, we realized how much over the last few months we've had to adjust to that. But, um, you know, we, we had to work um, with other lodging partners to convince our local government that we could operate responsibly. I think we all upped our game as, as happened around the country re with regards to housekeeping and messaging that and making sure that we were being as safe as we could and really um, showing that we would be responsible and um, do whatever. And so we were given we given the green light to open in June and um, kind of interesting to see that, yeah, people want to come up here. We were actually, the next thing we were worried about is just about every event that fills the calendar up here was canceled. No yeah. rodeo, no music fest, no nothing, you know, and these events are events that bring people to the mountains and uh, all of a sudden, you know, there's nothing on the table and we're thinking, well, we know it's beautiful, but does the rest of the world? Well, as it turns out, um, the rest of the world has realized that 
yeah, they, they could be in the mountains. So why not come for a month? And uh, so we had a very kind of slow ramp up. And then all of a sudden, the summer just kind of exploded. The second half of summer um, pretty much made up for the, the losses of the spring, um, the May and June thing. So feeling good about that and actually realizing that people's confidence in returning to travel. You know, our next big dilemma is everything that we did in the summer was connected to, well, we, we were a good drive market in the summer. Yeah. So we, we realized that people are comfortable getting in a car, driving to the mountains and having a great experience in a vacation home because it was private and safe and secure and clean and all the rest of it. And, you know, we were a very uh, strong mask wearing community. So it was evident that everyone was taking this seriously. So I think people felt very good about coming to a place like this and feeling like they they were being they were in about as safe as place as they could be no worse than being in the city that they came from. Um, with the winter, we're worried about um, are people going to get on airplanes because we're much more of a fly market. People yeah. fly to Steamboat Springs and Vail and Beaver Creek from all over the world. Um, we've definitely lost the international traveler for now, mm -hmm. um, but we were very concerned about whether domestic travelers would come from the big cities on the east and the west coast. And what I'm seeing in the last month is some very, very positive signs. So I feel, um, you know, we're building, we're building all the time, our yeah. confidence, the confidence of our community, the confidence of our guests, continuing to walk the ridge line. You can't really step off one direction in the, or the other. You could still, this still is something that um, could surprise us every day. Yeah. I'm not willing to concede that um, it's going to be a season just like any other. I'd love to get back to worrying about just if it was going to snow or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that used to be the big dilemma is used to say um, it's great having a, a business model that's tied to the to the performance of the weather. <laughs> yeah, especially when it snowed, which is uh, probably less reliant than anything. You know, we're we're very lucky. We we obviously are in a place where snow is uh, something to be expected, not hoped for. Yeah. Um, so it's just how much snow we're going to have and how great it's going to be um, in 23 years. I feel that we've been, we've realized that we landed in an incredibly good spot. So as you can see from my virtual background here yeah. on our, on our call, um, that's an everyday picture for us in the winter. See, and I'm a, I'm not a cold person. I, I really like I've grown up in Washington and it's not cold, cold, like, you know, snow all the time, but it's rain and not fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I but, grew up in England, so I know rain. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I'm like, I'm a sun person, but seeing that whole virtual background has got me like, damn, I actually might want to go there for a month and take you up on that bike ride. <laughs> yeah, well, we do see a lot of sun. I mean, that's the one thing you would say about the weather here in the winter is it's either snowing like crazy, more snow than you've ever seen in your life, mm -hmm. or the sun comes out and we have these incredible blue sky days and, and yeah. it's truly the most magical place to spend a bit of time, so... I'm That's actually awesome. looking forward to the winter. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I'm jealous of that picture. So I'm like, oh, maybe it wouldn't be too bad. It's a great, you great come view. See it. I will. I have to. We're we got some projects in the works. Trust me. Yeah, li now. live streaming from Colorado. That could be the next thing, right? There we go. Let's do it. <laughs> you could be my co-host for like a week or two, or maybe a month. Who knows how long? <laughs> Done. I'm in. Perfect. Well, Robin, I appreciate you, of course, taking the time uh, to, to do this with me. Um, I've 
really enjoyed like getting when you know doing the destination air award process was really fun to dive into your your company and you know we read reviews and we looked at the marketing and we looked at your direct booking platform and we looked at your socials and like just all the other stuff and like it was really cool to experience that part before getting to meet you and then now seeing it all in the flourishing and understanding why um you you were of course a recipient of the award is is now in full picture and full effect well i can't tell you how much that means to to me and to heather and to to our team i mean it's validation for us of why we do what we do um to be recognized to be nominated by our peers and to be recognized from within the industry um that's an incredible honor for us um it it doesn't um you know, it just spurs us on to greater things. It, it shows us that we're doing something great. Um, we're making a difference in people's lives. We're delivering fantastic vacation experiences. Um, and I'm hoping that that can be a model for others in our industry, you know, to inspire others to do the same. Um, we can all lift each other up. You know, we can all make a difference. Um, there's so many opportunities to provide um, a better vacation experience for people. And, uh, you know, so... I'm hoping that uh, this award goes on to be bigger and better than than ever. I think you found a really great way to recognize um, strength and success in our industry. And I'm truly honored to be considered alongside of other people that were given this award this year. Thank you. Yeah, you guys, uh, you set the standard very high. So I'm like, it was hard for this year. I'm like nervous for next year and the year after and, you know, the as the time goes on. So setting very high standards out the gate is always a, a nice success to see that it's at least it's out there. The, con- the concept is out there and you guys live it and breathe it. And so that's what, that's what made me happy. And I was excited. So uh, again, just really, really glad to get to meet you and talk to you on the, on the podcast. Do you have uh, any final thoughts or comments that you like the audience to take away from this episode or just from your life's experience in the industry? Um, you know, I, you and I talked about this um, before we got started on the show is that I think for me that the, the thing I truly appreciate where we have landed is that um, when you find something that you're passionate about, something that you enjoy doing, um, and there were many, there's many moving parts to providing a great experience, whether it's on a yacht or in a, in a chalet in the mountains. Um, you know, there's a lot of parts that aren't exciting about that, but um, when you're when you're passionate about why you do it, um, because for us, as I said, you know, it's about can you get that guest to say that was one of the best vacations you've ever had? Um, then I then I feel like everything else makes sense, and everything else it doesn't feel like you're working. You know, that's the advice I want to give to my teenagers is find something you're passionate about because that's going to mean more to you than the paycheck. And I feel very fortunate that I found um, a partner, a life partner through my wife, Heather, um, who shares that same passion. And um, I'm very fortunate that we have a team of people that work with us. There's no way that Heather and I could do everything that happens now. And it sort of lifts us up even further to realize that we've managed to inspire, you know, 20, 25 full-time year-round staff who are all working in their individual areas, but all living to hear that the guest had the best experience ever. And we raise our glasses on that kind of experience all the time. Um, so for me, you know, that's my takeaway as I feel very fortunate to have found that. I think it's out there. 
Um, I think if you're doing another job and this and it's not making your heart sing and you're not excited to go to work that people have said to me, well, how do, how do I get to do what you're doing? I mean, I just love to do what you're doing. And I'm like, you know, sell your house and move to that place and start doing it. That's the only yeah. way. And uh, we've been fortunate to do it. We've made it happen. I don't want to say it was easy, um, but it's certainly very satisfying. I agree. Find find your way to make friendship bracelets and for yeah. food and beer a day and and find. There was a time you... when that was my passion too, you know. And so <laughs> I, I was as good at that as I could be, and uh, and uh, that that might I might have had a short run with that one, but uh, you know everything is uh, everything happens for a reason, and uh, you can learn from everything you've done. And um, if that just gave me the confidence to say, well, I could just I can do this one thing and kind of enjoy the, uh, it was a bit kind of a cheeky spin on life, moving from a city like London to living on the beach in, in the Greek islands, making friendship bands. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that, right? <laughs> exactly. I love it for a few weeks. Well, that's awesome. And thank you again, Robin. And for all the slick talkers, all the information will be in the show notes. So make sure you check out all the links for moving mountains for their website, their socials, everything. And of course, um, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast, then you are amazing, and thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill-out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast.